Hey, hey, everybody, it's Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. You guys, today is Tuesday, June 1st, and depending on when you're listening to this episode, it's almost my birthday. You guys, I'm turning 40. I can't believe it. I will be 40 on June 3rd, and I am right now in Cape Town, South Africa. Y'all, it's crazy. I was reading my Bible one day, and the scripture popped off the page at me. And I don't know why, but I was like, it's time for me to go to Africa. I just knew that I needed to be here. And I am just overwhelmed with God's goodness. I'm overwhelmed at being 40. Like, I feel like I'm a real adult. I mean, it's crazy. I was not looking forward to this year. I honestly was not. I was like, I am not ready. I still feel like I'm 22. I don't understand how this happened. I mean, literally. And it's crazy because I have like these old grown kids, right? And I'm like, how do I have two adult kids? It is the wildest thing ever. So I'm just so grateful. Thank you so much for sharing in my birthday week with me. And so y'all, today is going to be another great episode. We are in the middle of our Hope series. And today's episode features a new friend of mine named Daniel Harold. And Daniel is known on Instagram as The Divorce Dad. And together with two female friends of his, they created an organization called Divorced Over 40. And what Daniel shares with us today is a life full of transparency. He shares his mistakes. He shares how his faith was challenged as he walked through his divorce journey. And listen, I I feel like I need to kind of give a disclaimer every time I talk about divorce. You guys know that I'm pro-marriage. You know, I'm a marriage coach. I believe in marriage. I believe that God is able to redeem and heal. But I also realize that there are some of you who have walked the journey of divorce, and there are some of you who are walking the journey right now. And this is a no-judgment zone. But not only is it a no-judgment zone, it's also a place where you can come and be refreshed, where you can come and get hope, where you can come and be nurtured and be filled and understand that what is before you is better than what has been behind you. And so this episode today is going to remind you of just that. I hope that you walk away from this episode today, feeling known, feeling seen, feeling loved, and feeling hopeful. And so without any further ado, here's my conversation with the divorce dad himself, Daniel Harold. so much for agreeing to to be a guest on the podcast. I'm super excited about our conversation. And I know that you founded a group called Divorced After 30. So I want to talk to you really about your whole process of not only founding the group, but also what led you to knowing that you needed a community. Um, And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, maybe like when did you get married um, and how long were you married before everything kind of took a turn? Yeah, I'd love to. And thanks for having me on, Dana. Um, you know, I, so my background, I live in Tulsa. Uh, you can kind of tell a little bit with this drawl that I mm-hmm. sometimes take advantage of. Uh, and I was born and raised here. And I was like the typical kind of person in this, whether it's in the South or even culturally in Tulsa, where it was just an expectation culturally that you get married real early and you have your babies and start raising your family. So I started dating my ex-wife the summer after I graduated from high school. And we both went to different 
colleges. We dated long distance and then we got married the summer after we graduated college. So I was, gosh, 90, I was 22, 23 when I got married. Um, and that was always her dream. You know, she's just, she was like a lot of those, a lot of the girls where they just dream about, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have lots of kids. And so we got married really early. And then two years into our marriage, uh, we had our first child and then subsequently had two more. So I had three girls uh, before I even turned 30, which, you know, now it's like, that's so different in today's culture, people having kids, let alone getting married uh, at an early age. And so we were together for four years and we were married for 22 years. So 26 year uh, marriage and got divorced about two and a half years ago. Um, and we just kind of drifted. I mean, that's, it's kind of the, what you hear a lot of times where you, you kind of drift emotionally, uh, your intimacy. And I think we were just really unhappy and realized that, um, it would be better for both of us if we made the split. And so, um, so as part of that journey, you know, here I am, um, divorced, I'm 45 at the time. And uh, I never dated before ever, like literally other than my ex-wife. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of an exciting process. That's a podcast in itself, Dana. We won't get into my dating <laughs> life, but I realized, uh, kind of 18 months into it, I'd kind of gone through my healing process, which a lot of times it's not really a linear definition. You can't define healing, but it took me about 18 months and um, COVID hit, which kind of shut everything down, obviously. And I kind of sat back and I was reflecting on, okay, where am I right now? Um, and I realized that I didn't really have a tribe of friends. I had no friends. I dated a lot, but I didn't really have like confidants. Um, and so I became really intentional last summer in really trying to cultivate friendships and kind of ran into a circle uh, through a lot of effort of ultimately what, what was like a group of six um, men and women. There are four women and two men that um, we were all in our forties and fifties, all divorced, nobody with relationships. We were right at the same stage of life going through the same stuff. And we just really connected at a level that I'd never experienced before from a friendship standpoint. And we all decided late last summer, well, let's start a community. Let's start an Instagram account. A couple of the ladies wanted to do it to try to become rich and famous. But um, a lot of it was intentionally designed to really just kind of chronicle our lives together because we were just so tight knit. And we started telling our divorce stories. And um, the, the comments and the feedback were so impactful of people just saying, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for telling your story. It, you know, it was really validating for other people that had gone through a divorce or they're going through to hear it. Because as you mentioned, there is a stigma about divorce and people don't like to talk about it. Right. And for us to open up and talk about it, I think really opened some doors and it kind of, the light bulb kind of went off and we were like, man, we can really build, maybe we can really do something that's going to impact people. Uh, and we decided to create this community called Divorced Over 40, because I'm 47 now, of really men and women that are divorced in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, where we provide support, we provide content. But most recently, now with COVID clearing, we're providing 
um, events, opportunities for people to meet and not, not for dating specifics, but just to meet, uh, to make new friendships. And so it's just been an incredible ride. Yeah. Well, you talked about the healing process and that's really something that I really want to talk about because I think a lot of people who experience divorce, I've heard that divorce is likened to death. Like the same stages that you that you experience with the death of a loved one, you experience in divorce, except the person's still alive. So can you tell us a little bit about what your healing process looked like and how long of a process was that um, before you realized, okay, I think I'm on the other side of this? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and it's different for everyone's journey. And I wish, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, I wish I had your community when I first got divorced because it would have accelerated my healing process. And that's really what we're trying to accomplish is trying to get people plugged in with meaningful friendships to shorten that pain process. You know, for me, I had a very amicable, amicable divorce. Um, and we, um, we're very adult-like. We managed the process actually as probably as well as you could imagine. That still didn't mean that you you don't go through all this range of emotions that everyone goes through when they get divorced, whether it's shame, guilt, loneliness, sadness, anger. I mean, you go through this whole wave of emotions. And a lot of people um, seek therapy or heal in different ways because nobody goes into a marriage expecting to get a divorce. And then once you get a divorce, you know, it's a lot of people are in so much pain through that process that they really don't even know where to look, how to look, or really have the energy to go look to seek help. Mm -hmm. And that's why it takes so long is because you're just like, so a lot of times, especially if it's a very toxic split, you're just like, I, I like to equate it as you feel like you're on like this boat in the middle of the ocean with these huge waves crashing in on you. Well, you don't have any opportunity to look ahead, you know, as to when the sun's to see that it's rising on the horizon. You're just like, you know, holding on for your life. And I feel like a lot of people are like that. And for me, I did a couple of things right. And I did a lot of things wrong. Mm. Um, number one, what I did, let's start with what I did right. So what I did right was um, I, I programmatically exercise like crazy. So I had all this new spare time and, um, you know, because I'm split now and I don't have the kids all the time. And so I had this opportunity to really, and with COVID, you know, well, it was, this was pre COVID, but I just was like a maniac, um, in the gym and it enabled me to at least feel good about one thing in my life, my body. So I think that was really therapeutic. I started to throw in yoga as part of that process and that kind of, you know, um, settles your mind and gets kind of gets you in sync with your body. Um, and so, and it's an opportunity where for at least 30 minutes or an hour in any given day, it's just really quiet and you're at peace, you know? And so those were two things that I did really well. Um, I think that I leaned on my family a lot, which was great. My mom and dad particularly were super helpful. And I think a lot of people are, are ashamed or embarrassed to go, ask their parents for help, whether it's financially, whether it's emotionally. And I think you're missing an opportunity for a loving family to support you. And I did that. Um, you know, what I didn't do right was number one is found a tribe of friends because I think friends and particularly divorced friends, because number one, you'd have this group that's 
kind of outside of your your existing circle of married friends and family that can be empathetic because they've been through it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that means a lot to people. But then number two is just to keep you distracted because loneliness sets in. And a lot of times, particularly men, the first thing that they do when they start to feel lonely is start dating. And you, they jump on the apps, they start swiping, um, and they're not in any state to probably date, let alone find a relationship. And I think a lot of people and a lot of women do this too, is they tend to jump on into dating to find that connection that that they're missing. Mm -hmm. And I did that. um, And I crashed and burned several times before I figured out that there's a better way to date. I continued to do it, but I did it smarter. Um, But I wish that I found that tribe. That's something that I didn't do. You know, I also in reflection, um, probably seeking a therapist, whether it was, you know, someone to just kind of talk through a lot of this stuff um, to get it out of your system. Cause I really didn't have friends or anyone to, to kind of draw that out, um, would have been helpful. And I didn't choose to do that. I don't know if it was like, I'm too manly to get a therapist or just that I was so immersed in, you know, my career and just kind of surviving during that period that I didn't really seek that. Um, and so those were a couple of things that I wish that I had done better. Okay. So going back to the actual marriage, did you and your wife seek therapy when you were married and kind of experiencing some of the challenges that you were? We did all throughout the marriage. You know, it was, I wouldn't say it was entirely a a troubled marriage, Um, but you know, you go through hills and valleys. I think any marriage does. And there were opportunities where we sought counseling a number of times. And I think at the very end, you know, I think we were just exhausted you know, we were just emotionally spent because that was an option, obviously, at the very end. And we were like, do we really want to go through another counselor who's going to tell me what I'm doing wrong or you what you're doing wrong? Um, is Do we really think that that's going to help? And we talked through that and decided, that, you know what, we're not going to go that route this time. Let's just, it, it's time. And so um, we did do that. And I think that's, you know, obviously that's helped people in the past. Um you know, heal or at least move people together um, when they do have issues in their marriage. But we chose at the very end not to do that. Okay. One of the things that I think I like about you, just like looking at your Instagram feed, you, you talk about taking responsibility a lot. And I think that that's such an important message because one of my friends says all the time, she's like, no matter whether you are only responsible for 5% of the problem, you need to take 100% responsibility for your 5%. And so- Yeah. Like, so what did that look like for you, Daniel? Like, did you find that it was harder for you to take responsibility? Like once it was all said and done, or was it kind of like a process where you were like, okay, I can look at what I didn't do right. I can look and grow from that. Or do you think it was kind of like a, a, a something that you learned on the back end of the process of divorce? Definitely on the back end. I think that it was something, well, even during the divorce is just, I don't know. I, I think that's maybe a little bit of my personality. Maybe as I've, I've matured over age, I, I, um, my initial reaction uh, when there's conflict is not to, you know, get defensive and kind of pull out the fangs, but to really be more self-reflective to say, okay, well, why is why are we struggling? Why are we doing this? What am I doing as part of that? And I think that, um, but definitely once, you know, once I once the divorce happened. 
it really, I really did do a lot of self reflection to decide, okay, you know, particularly my dating, what, what do I need to do to improve my behaviors that really created problems in the marriage? And, you know, like an example would be, um, I avoided conflict. And so, you know, if my, if we got into a dispute or a fight, I would just bottle up and I wouldn't say anything. And, you know, there's, there's that story. You never go to bed angry at your spouse. We did that a lot because I just refused to just I just dismiss it thinking, oh, you know what? She'll settle down tomorrow. And it was incredibly hurtful to her. And it did nothing to, to benefit uh, or improve the marriage. And so I knew that, you know, going into the next Daniel, Daniel 2.0, mm-hmm. that I need to work on. If, when conflicts arise, I need to hit them head on, nip them at the bud, and but even be reflective to understand how do I play a role in that, even if it's just the five percent. So a lot of it, a lot of it has been post divorce. I, I will say since I've been writing, which I really enjoy writing, you know, and I do kind of little three hundred word kind of mini blogs. Um, it's enabled me to kind of get a lot of this stuff out to. Um, and be really vulnerable, which men usually aren't very vulnerable. Um, and so that's been something that's been refreshing as well. So call it journaling. It's just public journaling. It's basically what I'm doing um, has been something that's been helpful as well. Yeah, it's good. And it's good stuff. I've read many, many of Thank your you. um, of your mini blogs, micro blogs, I guess is what they kind yes, of call them. Yes, that's the term, micro yeah, blogs. Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your kids because you did say that your divorce is amicable, which is great. Like I'm always like applauding people who can act like mature adults, even if you don't decide to stay together, but you can still act like mature adults, especially for the sake of your kids. So when you all realize that we're getting to the point where this marriage is over, how did you prepare your children for, for that? How First of all, how old were your kids? And then how did you prepare them? So we had two in high school and one that was uh, in college. And so, um, you know, what, I, what, we, what we always realize, but we fail to realize is how observant and how much your kids actually know whether or not the relationship isn't going well. I mean, they're very astute and observant. And so, mm-hmm. of course, we're, we were dumb not thinking that they knew that there were problems, but they clearly knew. Um, so they kind of probably saw the writing on the wall because the, you know, our, uh, the anxiety in the house, I mean, it was a very toxic situation, not that we were, you know, throwing stuff at each other and yelling at each other, but it just, it was a very unhappy house. And so, you know, I think that when we sat them down and, uh, we sat two of them down and had to make a phone call for the other and said, you know, dad's moving out. Um, it was, it was an emotional meeting, but they, I think they, they kind of knew it was coming. They knew something was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we also talked about when we, after I had moved out and we decided we're going to move forward with the divorce that, um, we really wanted to do it in a way that was, um, showed that we were adults and really leave a legacy for our kids that people can break up in a kind and loving and respectful way. Mm-hmm. That was something that we both mutually agreed upon. And I felt like we did that. Um, that doesn't mean that your kids don't go through the emotions. It's still right. like a death for them. It's painful. And, um, and so then you're having to kind of manage wh- whether you do it as well as we did or not. Um, I le- you learn because you've never been through this before that it's still incredibly painful for your kids and they've gone through their rough patches. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, 
provided opportunities for both their mom and myself to come in and just love them. And, um, and we've always had a unified front, whether it's been hard discipline or just in a loving way for all of our kids. So I think my ex and I are really aligned there. Um, and you know, it's, it's a journey. I'd say it took my kids probably as long as it's taken, uh, both my ex and myself to heal. Um, and I'm really excited about where they are today. I feel like they're really thriving. So it makes me happy. Yeah. Well, from what I can see, it looks like you have a really close relationship with your daughters. And I know that it's not always, you know, peaches and cream and roses, but um, it appears, you know, that you guys are are really like finding your way through this. And I think that the way that you're modeling that, even with your ex-wife, is just, I don't know if people realize like how important it is because I remember being a kid and my parents were divorced. Um, They got divorced when I was very, very young. So maybe one or two years old. So I don't remember their whole process, but I had a stepfather and I remember what it was like going to school with my parents' arguments on my mind and hearing a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't need to hear that just wasn't any of my business. And so I think, you know, me trying to do things differently in my marriage where my husband and I don't have a perfect marriage, of course, but one of the things that we've always um, strove to do is to not have our kids have to go to school with our problems on their mind. And oh, so, so yeah. And so even though your girls are older, you know, the fact that you and your wife have made this decision that, you know what, we're going to move forward here with the, with the good intention of the whole family as our primary focus, not I'm going to get you back or I'm going to make you look bad to, you know, the, the kids or what have you. And I just really hope that people can start to do that more often because it's so, it can just be really, really toxic out there for folks who have decided to no longer be together. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't know if I'm seeing the trend the right way or the wrong way uh, with that, with just the stories that I hear about people getting divorced. But I mean, it can it, it's so impactful, I believe, for your kids just going through it. Um, I think it's impacted my kids. Um, and, you know, it's just it's a life experience that unfortunately they've had to go through. But, you know, I think that they've come out on the other side now seeing their mom thrive. Mm-hmm. right now, which is great. Seeing me starting to thrive and, and, and they're starting to do really well and everyone's happy. And so, um, you know, and we handled it the right way in a respectful way. And so I think that that's, hopefully that's the message for them that, you know, look, I mean, the odds are that I'm, I hate to say it, but one of them may experience all of them are going to experience troubles in their marriage. They get, you know, they're going to get married, but you know, it's just how to handle conflict, how to handle whether it's in the job, whether it's in a relationship, what's what's a way to handle it respectfully. And hopefully, you know, the proof will be in the pudding and as to how they handle it. But hopefully um, we've left a legacy for them on on how to, how to manage those type of things. Yeah. Let me ask you, how has your faith changed since you've been divorced? Oh, that's, that is, that's a tough one, Dana. That's, uh, I've never been asked that. I love that you asked that. So um, I'm just going to be real, real. Um, so we were very active in our church. And when the marriage started to uh, have, start to get the cracks near the tail end, we, we stopped going as much. And um, we ended up, obviously we went through all that we did and got, divorced and um, nobody from, we were very active in a, in a small group uh, in our church. 
met in, met in a home on a weekly basis and nobody reached out to us. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt a tremendous amount of bitterness mm-hmm. from that process that, you know, not one person um, made an effort to just check in. Um, and, uh, and so as a result, I've, I've drifted personally. Mm-hmm. Now my ex hasn't, I mean, she, she's stayed true. I think she's now at a different church, but, um, she's stayed true. And actually this kind of shows our relationship together. She's encouraged, she's encouraged me several times along the way, man, I really wish that you'd get back in church. Mm-hmm. Um, which I actually love that. I don't feel like that's nagging and it's not her role, but it's like done in a, a loving manner. Um, and my kids are, are active again. And so it's part of my journey. I think that, I think that that's, um, I think that I've kind of healed from that and just kind of resigned the fact that, okay, well that they didn't reach out. That's okay. That's not everyone. They didn't know a lot of times, you know, I've read a lot of articles actually on this where a lot of times the church just, they don't know. And then it's too late. And so a lot of times you don't see the follow-up uh, because they just don't know. And so, um, you know, it is something where I'm dating someone now. It's important to her. And it's something that I just need to, you know, I need to almost reconcile with God a little bit. I, I know that I need to do that. And I just, I haven't done it yet. But um, faith has always been an incredible part of my family and the legacy of my family's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still important to me. but. I'm not demonstrated in a way where I'm re-engaging back with the body. And that's something that I need to do. Well, thank you for your honesty in that, Daniel. And I think that, you know, sometimes people don't know what to say. Uh, One of my best friends got divorced and I wish I could say I was the greatest friend to her during that time. And, and there were seasons where I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't want to talk about my marriage because I felt guilty because her marriage didn't make it. And I just didn't know what to do. And now, you know, that was several years ago. And now I think when I, when I'm noticing I am a pastor. And so I do kind of have that, um, that privilege, if you will, to kind of, be invited to speak into these things a little bit more. But I think that's something that a message for those who are listening, who are a part of the church that reach out, you know, even if you don't know what to say, it's not necessarily what you say. It's the gift of presence. Like you said, no one. Yeah. I know. So when I was going through all this and I didn't have a whole lot of guy friends, uh, which is very typical because when you get married, you're not, I wasn't the type of guy that, you know, went and played golf with the guy friends and did the guy's trip. I mean, for me, it was, I worked and I was with my family for my entire marriage. So I didn't have the opportunity where a lot of people, I had close relationships where I expected people to reach out to me. Um, and, and none of my couple friends reached out to me, nobody from my church. And so there was one guy that called me. He was a couple friend, uh, or we would go out with them as couples. And he left me a voicemail and he said, um, hey, this is so-and-so, just wanted to check in, see how you're doing, give me a call. And so my immediately mind was, he's just fishing for gossip. Mm-hmm. He probably heard that I've moved out and he just wants some gossip, which is not always, not the right way to take that. Um, so I told my, my wife, who I'd separated at the time, that he called and she said, you know what? He may just be reaching out with a genuine concern for you. Call him back. 
my ex is so great. She she always knows when, when to encourage me. So I called him back. <clears throat> By the way, he's Jewish. So it kind of painted a perspective of like, you've got all these Christians that are friends and church. And the only person that called me was my lone Jewish friend. Hmm. And he, he called me and he said, um, hey, I don't want to talk about it. I heard what's going on. I just wanted to see if you just wanted to have a beer, if you just needed a friend. And it, I teared up and I said, yes, I do need that. And we went and had a drink and dinner. And, you know, I did open up about it, but he came in with the expectation of um, not wanting to know anything. And honestly, a lot of people may say, no, I'm going through too much pain. But just the fact that that one person called um, was so impactful. And now we're really good friends and we try to get together once a month. And and um, so, you know, that was one. That's a great example of how you can reach out to someone if you've even heard about it, even if it's a rumor. Because a lot of people aren't publicly, you know, unless it's in the paper that they filed, you know, it's, you just hear about it. It's just to reach out and just say, hey, I think I know what's going on or I've heard what's going on or I saw it in the paper. You know, I don't want to get into your business, but I just want to tell you that I'm here for you. If you'd like to go have a drink or go have breakfast or whatever, please let me know. I think that's just offering that little bit. Um, can make such an impact on someone that's going through their pain. Yeah, I think the best person who models that in my mind is Jesus. Like, you know, so oftentimes we think like Jesus is synonymous with the rules and the religion and all of that. But like when you read the Gospels, you look at how he had such a good hung presence. out with, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was just there. He was just there and um, he, he loved really well. And so I think that for people who um, are going through this, maybe there's someone listening right now who they need a friend and they need someone or they need a church to rally around and the church hasn't always been what she's capable of being. Um, but I think to look to Jesus and look to him to be like, you know what? He is, it's not cliche, but like he literally is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Like even and when not we only was he, know not that only, he's there. Not only did he lead by example, but he was always at the right place at the right time for people. Yeah, yeah. Think of all the stories, whether it was his encounter with Matthew or the lady at the well. I mean, he was just always there at the right time when someone needed him or he could like cast a message and there was no judgment. You never heard anything come out of his words that said, shame on you for doing this. That's right. It was just that he had this attractive personality. And honestly, I feel like our community is starting to become that where we're like a light in darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, We had an event last night and had over 70 people there and, you know, probably 20 people for the first time came scared to death about meeting people because it's daunting to come in and not know anyone. And just to see the love that the existing group gives the new people and also the people that are plugged in coming to me and saying, you know, thank you so much. I needed this so much just to get out and feel normal again. Yeah. And so that's what I feel like we're, we're hopefully providing as a community. That's so good. Community is so important. And so, yeah, thank you for just sharing your journey of faith, Daniel. And I'm going to be just cheering you on, you know, as as you continue this process of of finding your way back 
um, to church, but more importantly, just finding your way back to that solid faith that's going to anchor you, you know, for years to come. I want to ask you about, um, you talked earlier about how you see so many people who divorce and they jump right into dating again. And I, and I see that a lot too, even with the folks that I coach or what have you, where it's like they go from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next. And so do you all discuss that in your, in your community and your divorce over 40 community? Like, do you encourage people to like slow down you know, learn because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And a lot of times after you get divorced, it's I haven't been divorced, but from what I've heard, you know, you are faced with, again, all of like the not in a not in a shameful way, but like, what are the things that I could have done better? What have I learned from this? What have I learned about myself from this? Who do I want to become? So I feel like when people just jump straight into a relationship, they sort short circuit that whole growth process. So Uh, how do you encourage people to really hone in on that? You're serving me up some softballs, Dana. I mean, these are like our, this is like our foundation, um, our foundational work of what we try to do is really, uh, we're big believers, uh, or at least myself and my, the two co-founders of Divorce Over 40 are that you have to go through a healing process. You have to go through a self-discovery process. I, um, I, in many cases, I call it a rebirth. Mm. You rediscover yourself what you're passionate about because you've healed. And so then you're learning about yourself again, what your interests are, what your hobbies, what you're passionate about. You're creating a new set of friendships. I mean, everything's different. And then at that point, when you, um, part of going through that journey, you become comfortable with yourself. You're, you're happy whether you're in a relationship or not. And I think that's an important piece of the process before you start dating because then you view dating or you view finding that person as like icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not something that's going to complete you. You're already completed. It's just something that is going to add something, some value to what you already have. Too many times people are dating when they're going through the painful process and all they're doing is just emanating toxic feelings and so forth. And, you know, it's unfair for the people that, are well past that in our dating to date someone like that. And it's hard sometimes to discern that because you cover it up. You know, I, I could cover it up in the first month of all the stuff that I was going through and present myself in a way that was attractive. And like, I had all my crap together, but you know, once you start to get into the, the layers, you're like, boy, this, ugh, this guy is far from being ready to be in a relationship. And so um, we do speak to that, that, you, you need to go through all of that process. And another reason why is because what you were just, when you rediscover yourself, it may be entirely different in terms of what you want when you just started the journey. Mm-hmm. And so how do you know what you're really going to want in terms of a partner when you're coming straight out of a divorce and you haven't rediscovered what your passion, you may decide I want to move, you know, I want to go, I've never done this before. I'm going to move to a big city. Well, you know, you're dating someone in Tulsa or, you know, whatever, you know, there's lots of things that I think is part of the self-discovery You determine who that ideal person is that would add to you. And which is entirely different from day one, when you started the journey, I will say this though, Dana, I do think dating can, is a part of that process. And so when you go, you sh- I encourage people to date casually when you're not ready, because every encounter gives you practice, it improves your social skills, 
It also enables you to discover friends and it also enables you to figure out what you want in terms of qualities in a person and what you don't want in terms of certain qualities in a person. And going, going through and dating people in a very respectful way where you're very upfront as far as here are my intentions, here's where I am in my journey. Um, are, you know, it's for you to decide whether or not you want to go out. And I always tell people, you know, go out with the intention of creating a friendship, start there, then see what happens. And if you do that, you're going to meet some great people and it's going to help refine you to where when you go through the self-discovery process, you've started to do some of that work. That's great. That's great. Well, I am definitely going to link to your Instagram page and the show notes of this podcast. And the, you're called the Divorce Dad, which I thought it was funny. I was reading somewhere. You said your daughters kind of think that's a little corny. But. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Yeah. They make fun of me on that. But someone said I got to use that section in Instagram for something to brand yourself. So I'm guessing I'm the Divorce Dad. No, it's a great brand. And I love what you're doing. So thank you so much, Daniel, for being on the show and just for the wisdom. Thank you for being transparent and vulnerable and just sharing your journey with people. I know it's going to be super incredibly helpful. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed this. You're welcome. I think if there's one thing that I took away from this conversation, it's that there are people out there who are looking for us to be the light for them. After Daniel and I recorded the episode, we started messaging back and forth on Instagram, and I sent him a scripture that I want to actually speak over you today. And the scripture comes out of Proverbs 11. 25, and it says that those who refresh others, will they themselves be refreshed? And so maybe you are going through a really hard time in your life right now, and you feel like you really don't have a lot to offer anyone. I want to encourage you that as people watch you go through your difficult season, as people watch you actually get to the other side of whatever it is you are facing, you are going to be in a position to then refresh them as you yourself are being refreshed. So thanks again, Daniel. Thank you so much for your honesty and your transparency and vulnerability in this conversation. Well, you guys, I want you to be able to connect with Daniel. I'm going to link to his Instagram handles in the show notes of this podcast. So if you head over to realrelationshiptalk.com, forward slash episode 42, you will be able to see how you can find and follow him and his divorced over 40 community. And so again, maybe you're not divorced, but we all know people who are. And so I'm just going to encourage you to connect with him and be refreshed and also refresh others. So thanks so much for joining us today, you all on this episode. Be sure if you are not subscribed to the Real Relationship Talk podcast that you subscribe or you follow wherever you are. And I would certainly also appreciate you reviewing or rating this podcast. It means so much to me to be able to hear from you all about how these episodes are ministering or blessing your life. So thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great day. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.